There's a word from the Lord this morning in a very familiar passage of scripture. The book of Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 to verse 4. We're reading from the NIV translation. For I try at least once every year or sometimes even more to preach from this text. Amen. It is a powerful text, powerful scripture that we encourage you to read even when these services are over. This message is a message that I first preached in 2013. Seven years ago, September of 2013, God gave me this message. And I will tell you of all the sermons I've preached, thousands of them, since I began preaching in 1979, since I began pastoring in 1996, I've preached over thousands and thousands of messages, fortunate because my dad insisted I've saved all of them. Um, so I know exactly how many sermons I've preached in 40 years. This is one of, if not the favorite ones that I've preached. I enjoyed putting it together. I enjoyed preaching it. In fact, I perhaps had more response from this message that I'm going to share in a few moments from people all over. I remember being in the gym and a young man stopped me with tears in his eyes and he says, it changed my life. Young lady came up to me several weeks later and says, I'm at church today because I heard that message on the radio and I got up and I decided to take control of my own life and know that God still loves me. And so God said to me several weeks ago as I was putting together the messages for the month of August, in fact, several months ago, God said to me that I want you to include this into the August sermons that you're going to share in 2020. And so I've been working on this message again, adding to it, ask God to speak to my heart as I share this message. So I, I hope that you receive it in the spirit in which God has prepared it. The beauty, the, the wonderful thing about virtual services is that the word takes preeminence over everything else. Uh, I've learned to really enjoy preaching without the distractions, without the noises and the clapping and the jumping. And I, now, trust me, those things gives us energy. But what I've learned more than anything else is that sometimes when you don't have the distractions, you can hear the word better. My wife and I were sitting at home last week uh, looking at the Democratic National Convention, listening to First Lady Michelle Obama, President Obama, and others speak. And it was refreshing. I've been to many Democratic conventions. I know the noise and all of the distractions. But for the first time since I've started going to political conventions in 1984, I really heard the speeches. And I said to my wife, I says, that's what happens even in virtual worship services. You can really hear God's word. So I pray 
that you hear God's word and take it in the manner in which God has prepared for us. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through verse 4, <clears throat> reading from the New International Version. I ask that you pray for my voice and throat. It is going in and out. I guess this preaching all year is taking its toll on me, but I am going to get through this. Amen. I have looked forward to this message. Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning with the first verse, NIV translation, and it reads, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. Verse 4 is where the subject is found. But the pot, King James says, but the vessel he was shaping, he was making from the clay was marred. In other words, it was flawed in his hands. Ah, but the pot that he was shaping from the clay was damaged, flawed, marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. And we ask God's blessings <clears throat> on the reading and the hearing of his word. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you from the subject, the beauty of imperfection. The beauty of imperfection. There is a wonderful, inspiring philosophy school of thought, Japanese school of thought, that is simply called Wabi Sabi. And if you haven't heard it, Google it. Look it up. It will bless you. It has changed my life. As I began to study it, as I began to study its meaning and, and how significant it is for showing us a sense of peace that surpasseth all understanding. It is called Wabi Sabi. And the definition is simply this. There is value. There is beauty in that which is imperfect and that which is flawed. There is value and beauty in that which is imperfect and that which is flawed. Listen, my brothers and sisters, in this vain, hypersensitive society that we live in today, it seems as if so many people have become so obsessed, please don't miss this, with the notion of being perfect that we often fail to see the value in things or in people 
that have noticeable flaws. We've become so consumed, so obsessed with everything has to be perfect from our outfit to our hair in place to our house we live in to the car we drive to the image of our families, (laughs) the image of your children. I've heard people say to their children, now don't you go embarrass me. Why? Because they're more concerned with the image that their children leave of them than what is going on in the child themselves. We have become so obsessed with this notion of perfection that we fail to see what is beautiful, what is valuable in that which is not perfect. And that which is flawed. Listen, it is important that we understand that the absence of perfection does not mean failure. Because you're not perfect does not mean that you are a failure. Because you've made mistakes, because you're flawed, does not mean that you are a failure. Unfortunately, there are so many people and especially perhaps young people who have become so discouraged because they have been made to feel that their only option in life is perfection. They they have come up in a society where society seems to highlight success as being perfect. That's why cosmetic surgery is so important. They are people who spend the little bit of money they have trying to improve their own appearance, trying to improve their looks, thinking that it can help them as it relates to dealing with society. Uh, because they have been convinced that perfection is an attainable goal. I'm here to tell you that the devil is a liar. Listen, this message in 2013 was inspired by one of my favorite people in the world. In fact, it was inspired by an interview that my wife and I in 2013 listened to given by Pastor Rick Warren and his wife, the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, the author of The Purpose Driven Life, The Purpose Driven Church. To those of you that are members of Bible where you know there is no secret how fond I am of Pastor Rick Warren. He is one of my absolute favorite people in the world that I've never met, but I admire him from afar. I admire his humility. I admire the fact that God has blessed him in such a tremendous way without a whole lot of self-promotion. And he kept himself rooted and grounded in who he is. Well, something tragic happened in April of 2013 to Pastor Rick Warren and his wife 
and their family. His youngest son, Matthews, 27 years old, committed suicide. Matthew was an awesome young man. Hear me straight. I'm not getting into any theological arguments with any of y'all. You want to get that deep, you go somewhere else. Okay, I'm, I'm here to tell you that I believe Matthew was a great soul. If you want to know it, then look at his work. I got to understand who this young man was after his death. There was a USA Today article dated April the 7th, 2013, in which Pastor Warren talked about Matthew's legacy. This young man who led Bible study. This young man who led people to the Lord. This young man who became a missionary and traveled halfway across the world to witness to people about salvation. In fact, there are people on the continent of Africa today who are saved because of this young man. However, unfortunately, he suffered from a mental illness called depression. Because we as a society, in particular, some of us, those of us who are spiritually minded, we have looked on mental illness erroneously. We've looked on it uh, as always something of an evil spirit, not thinking that mental illness, just like physical illness. Pastor Warren said, and indulge me for a moment, I need to share this testimony. He said, that all of Matthew's life, all of his life, Dr. Cedric, he suffered from depression. He was bipolar and he struggled with that. He had medication, he went to counselors and he struggled with all of that and he was in so much pain. Read the April 7th USA Today article. Pastor Warren says that his son said to him one time, Dad, I just want to die and go to heaven. I can't live like this anymore. But he traveled all across the world to witness to people. And unfortunately, he committed suicide. And doing the homegoing services of Matthew Warren, young people traveled all over the world to pay tribute to this young man, 27 years old. Pastor Warren and his wife tells the story on CNN. One young man from the continent of Africa came up to him, tears streaming down his face. Pastor Mack, and he said, because of your son, I'm a Christian today. Because of your son and how he shared the gospel, and how he loved me. Pastor Rick Warren said Matthew had an innate ability uh, to empathize with those who were hurting. And this young African flew all the way from Africa to California to attend the homegoing services and said to Pastor and Mrs. Warren that I am the man I am today because Matthew poured into my life. And here's what Pastor Rick Warren said on that CNN interview that changed my life in 2013. He said, God said to him as he was praying, 
He said, God said to him, he says, Rick, in God's garden of grace, even a broken tree can bear fruit. That changed me. I sat up in the chair. I told my wife, I've got to preach this, baby. I've got to preach this. In God's garden of grace, even a broken tree can bear fruit. In other words, God can use anyone, including broken vessels. For the Bible teaches us that no one is perfect. The Bible teaches us that God uses us in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our flaws, and even, yes, please don't miss this, sometimes God uses us because of our flaws. Sometimes God uses us because of our imperfections. Sometimes God says, I need someone with your kind of experience to do what I need them to do. How do you know this to be true, Pastor Jackson? There's a wonderful scripture that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. The Bible says uh, the prophet Samuel describes David as God describes David as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. Look at what First Samuel says. It says, but now your kingdom would not endure. He says this to Saul as God was replacing him. The Lord has found him a man after his own heart. Now this would be awesome all by itself. But when you understand and know David's testimony, this makes this reference of Holy Scripture that more powerful. Listen, remember this. David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and arranged to have her husband die in battle to cover it up. And yet, God says, I have found me a man after my own heart. God said to David, I know your flaws. I know your weaknesses. But I've chosen to use you. David's life is a testament to the fact that God can use anyone. Testament to the fact uh, that there's still something valuable in those who are imperfect, in those of us who are flawed. So let me say something before you write off another child of God. You don't have the authority or the prerogative to write off anybody. You don't know who God can use. You don't know what God is doing. You don't know who God has chosen to be the next David. Matthew Warren's life taught us something. At 27, this young man was broken. He struggled with depression. 
But yet he got on a plane and traveled halfway across the world to win Nigerians and win South Africans and others to the Lord. God says, I'll use you in spite of your weaknesses, despite your flaws. God can still use you. Let us turn to the text as we turn to the sacred text. And in the text, let us see what it teaches us concerning the value of that which is flawed. In this 18th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, the Lord uses a powerful illustration to remind the nation of Israel that although they may have been not as faithful as what they should have been, and they may not have always been loyal and faithful to him. God reminded them that he had not given up on them. I'm preaching to someone and I'm speaking to someone right now. And I want you to hear this. God has not given up on you. God says, I know what you're going through. I know your weaknesses. I know your down settings and your uprisings. But I still love you. I can still use you. God in the text sends the prophet Jeremiah on a field trip to the potter's house. Not listen to this. And this blessed me when God dropped this in my spirit. God sent him on a field trip to the potter's house. Pastor Mac, not to preach a sermon, but to witness a sermon. We need more preachers witnessing and becoming sermons than giving sermons. We've got a lot of young people out there that are bidding, that are anxious to preach sermons, to be somebody, to be relevant. And God said, you're relevant by the life you live, not by the platform you stand on. So God sends Jeremiah to the potter's house to witness a sermon. When Jeremiah arrives to the potter's house, he observed the potter working on a vessel, a pot of clay at the spinning wheel. However, he noticed something. He noticed that the vessel that the potter was working on, according to verse 4 of the text, was marred. It was flawed. It had imperfections. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The pot that he was working on uh, did not turn out as he had hoped it would. <laughs> uh, look at that. None of us sometimes turn out the way we had hoped things would. Perhaps you've fallen short of what God expected out of you. Just like that vessel. The pot that he was working on did not turn out as he had hoped it would. In other words, the pot, the vessel, had some noticeable flaws. It had some imperfections that were obvious to the eye. It was, and I said this this morning during the early morning service, it was what we would refer to today as irregular merchandise. It was what I've called 
flea market material. Some of us are flea market materials. And if the truth be told, uh, because we have such glaring flaws, uh, a lot of people would turn away from us. A lot of people would not pay optimal price or would not spend optimal time with you because of your weaknesses. I need to preach that one Sunday, Mac, flea market material. That's, that, that's what this vessel was. It was flea market material. <laughs> Jeremiah noticed something, however. This is the heart of the message. Jeremiah noticed that the potter did not put aside or throw away the flawed, the marred, the damaged, the broken vessel. Although it was flawed, marred, scarred, broken, the potter did not put it aside. He could have. In fact, it was customary for a potter and, and, and I saw this this morning in between the service. I went back and read again and I read something interesting. Uh, Mac, it said it was customary in order not to waste time is for the party if they saw some clay that had so many imperfections to lay it aside because it slowed down your productivity. And it made your ability to compete with other people in a similar market very difficult because you were spending too much time on something that could never get right. Oh, I feel like preaching this. God says I've spent so much time on you that others would have cast you aside. Others would have thrown you away. But he never threw it away. He never put it aside. Although it was flawed, although it was damaged, although it had imperfections, the potter did not put it aside. The text says this. The text says that he formed it into another pot. Now, in order to form it into another pot, you've got to rework it all over again. It says he formed it into another pot. Note this. He made the vessel as it seemed best to the potter to make. Because the text says he's formed it into another pot as it seemed best to him. And this part perhaps blessed me unlike any other part of this text. He remade the part not to please the critics. He remade the part not to please the public. But he formed it into another vessel as it was pleasing to the potter. Uh, I'll get there when we get to the three insights. But that, think about that. When God does his reconstruction of your life, he's not going to do it so that you can be more popular on social media. God is not reshaping you so you can be the greatest young man, the greatest young lady, the greatest preacher, the greatest church. God is not doing this so everybody will know your name. 
But God says, I'll remake you so that you can be pleasing to me. He kept it and kept working on it. Listen, listen, and I'm almost done. But there are three key insights of this message of Jeremiah's trip to the potter's house that I want to leave with you this day. Three key takeaways in this message. Three key insights that we ought to have as we witness what Jeremiah perhaps saw at the potter's house. I want you to hear this. I told you I love this virtual experience because I don't have to try to make you shout. I want you to hear this. Three key insights that will change your life. Insight number one. We are all imperfect. We are all flawed. And sometimes, yes, even sometimes, we are broken vessels. We all are. It doesn't matter how great you think you are. It doesn't matter how talented you think you are, how anointed you think you are, how great your ministry is. It doesn't matter how articulate you may think you are, how many degrees are associated with your name. It doesn't matter about your business accomplishments. The fact of the matter is that we all are imperfect. We all are flawed. And yes, I've learned that we all at times in our lives a broken, crushed vessels. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, the New Living Translation puts it this way. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You, me, everybody else. Don't let anybody make you feel bad by elevating themselves up above reproach. We all are cracked, flawed, damaged, sometimes broken vessels. Ooh. But here's the second key part of this message. In the sixth verse of the 18th chapter, it says something. <laughs> It says, although the vessel was flawed, although it was damaged, it was still in his hand. So the second key insight of this message today is this. We are still in the master's hand. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to know that at my worst hours, back against the wall, Hearts ripped in two by the loss of loved ones. And situations that we had not anticipated. God said, but the good news, Dow, is I'm holding you in my hand. I'm speaking to somebody right now and you've been through a pandemic. Perhaps you've lost loved ones. We have members of our media staff that are working every Sunday and they had to bury their loved ones from COVID-19. 
but we're still in his hands. I had to call someone on the phone who buried a father and a mother, but we're still in his hands. My wife and I called a friend of ours who was a pastor's friend and he died unexpectedly of COVID and we talked to his wife, you're still in his hands. I talked to my cousin, Pat, Chip's wife, just Friday, you're still in his hands. It hurts, it's painful, we don't know how we're gonna make it, but the good news, is that we're still in his hands. Somebody help me worship. Somebody help me worship. Somebody let's worship the fact that in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, we're still in his hands. Listen, I want to share this wonderful scripture as it relates to the second Insight, Isaiah chapter 62 and verse 3, the New Living Translation. The prophet in Isaiah declares these inspiring words about the holy city of Jerusalem who had gone through a catastrophe. They had been devastated. Uh, Isaiah speaks of the fact that they would one day be totally destroyed by the Babylonians. Their temple would have been destroyed. Their walls have torn down. But this is what the Lord writes in Isaiah chapter 62, verse number three. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. Then he says this, a splendid crown you are in the hand of God. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In the midst of all we're going through, God says, you're still splendid in my hand. In the midst of our struggles, uh, in the midst of our heartaches, uh, uh, and here's the third and the final insight this is an encouraging word for someone wherever you are whatever you're going through God told me to leave you with this word as we prepare for this altar experience God says we're being reshaped we're being molded into something better <laughs> I told the deacons this morning Deacon Marlon Walters as we were on that wonderful Zoom call I texted this to my son the other night. I said, this is our theme when we come back. Come back better. <laughs> uh, I know the Democrat says rebuild better. We says we're coming back better. Now, what do you mean better? Not bigger churches, not greater crowds, but come back stronger. Come back with a better prayer life. Come back with more peace. Come back with more joy and say to the enemy after all the things I've been through I still have joy I still have peace Lord I'm coming back better coming back better 
you slain them, yet will I trust you. Listen, come on, praise team. David writes in Psalms 51 and verse 10. This is one of my favorite scriptures. He writes the New Living Translation. David, having sinned, committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband Uriah killed on the battlefield. David writes these words, create in me a clean heart. Oh God. And this is why I've chosen the New Living Translation. David writes, renew a loyal spirit within me. In other words, Lord, I haven't always been loyal. I haven't always been right. But make me better. Make me better. Make me stronger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my imperfections that you did not throw me away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come on, Zion, wherever you are, lift those hands and tell the Lord, I'm coming back better. I am coming back. Listen. I leave you with these words as we conclude this message. Although we may be flawed and although we may have made some really horrible mistakes throughout our lives, but I leave you with these words. We are still valuable to the Lord. Yes. There is beauty in our imperfections. Thank you, Lord. You could have thrown me away, but you allowed me to be reshaped and molded into something that is better. Listen, Brother Vashon Mitchell, who we've had the privilege of having him here at this church wrote a song a few years ago that has blessed so many and it is a blessing to me in fact I have it on my playlist and I often play this song I remember sending this song to a family member who was going through a very difficult time in their life (laughs) and I said this beauty in your brokenness the song is entitled joy and hear the lyrics of this song as you prepare and I want to put this number on the screen early because I want you to call us there's beauty in my brokenness I've got true love instead of pain (laughs) there's freedom Though you've captured me, I've got joy instead of mourning. You give me joy. (laughs) I thank you, Lord. Anybody know that God has given you joy even in the midst of your brokenness? 
down deep in my soul down deep in my soul you give me joy I'm here to tell you that there is beauty in your brokenness there's beauty in your imperfections and just like God used David to be the greatest leader of the Old Testament despite his shortcomings his flaws his imperfections God could use you right now come on pick up that phone join us as the worship team come on yeah yeah all the worshipers yeah 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 yeah. worship worship thank you Cedric thank you yeah 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 Last week I sent 
my sister an article about the rising suicide rate among young people, particularly during this pandemic. And the Lord said to me that someone has to convince them that despite all of their shortcomings and all of what the world has called their failures, that there's some beauty in their imperfections. And I'm speaking to someone right now and your flaws are so obvious. They're not even hidden flaws. People can smell the alcohol on your breath. People can see how your body has dwindled down because you've not taken care of it. Perhaps you've been strung out on drugs. Perhaps you've walked away from God's grace and mercy. And here you are. But the good news is that second key insight in this message. We are still in the master's hand. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter how horrible your mistakes have been. The good news is that you're still valuable to the Lord. The good news is that there's still beauty even in your imperfections. And I know people will get on me and I've had people criticize me and say, you're that feel good pastor. Always preaching stuff just to make people feel good. And what I've said to them, it's not my job to tear people down. The devil does a good job of that by himself with the help of a whole lot of people. But I want to offer you hope. I want to offer you an opportunity and I want to tell you that you'll never get it if you don't commit to the Lord as your Savior. You'll never get that peace if all you do is watch this service and don't take the next step. The good thing about virtue is that you don't have to walk down the aisle and stand in front of the church. That's a good thing. You, you don't have to be shamed out. You can be right where you are right now. And all you have to do is pick up the phone and call somebody and we'll pray you through it. In fact, you can lift your hands and say, I accept you as my Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and transgressions. And I want to walk in a new life. And if you've prayed that prayer, then God has welcomed you into the kingdom. God has given you joy down in your soul. Don't let anybody discourage you. Don't let anybody try to tell you, I need to hear you speak in tongues. No, they don't. Don't let anybody tell you, I need to witness your baptism. No, they don't. Paul tells us if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart then you shall be saved now I believe in baptism because it is a public display of an inward change but if you can't ever get to the pool if you can't ever get to the water God can save you before one drop of water touch you God can do it right now 
in your life. To my brothers and sisters that are incarcerated, God wants you to know that there's some beauty in your imperfections. And I know some of you feel as if everybody in the world has given up on you. And even when you get out, you can't get a job and nobody seems to want to give you a chance. But God says you're still in his hands. I had to preach this message. God told me to preach this message for somebody somewhere. And no matter what you're going through, God is the God of a second chance. God is a God who would do something for you that only God can do. He is the God. He is the God of a second chance. There's beauty in your brokenness. Pick up the phone, call us, email us, text us. <laughs> Close those eyes right now, wherever you are. Somebody just got saved. <laughs> I feel it in my soul. Ah, Brother Cedric, God says somebody just got saved. <laughs> I, I don't know where you are. You may be in Georgia, North Carolina, New York. You may be in Afghanistan, Italy. You may be in Africa, but somebody just got saved. God says in his garden of grace, even a broken tree can produce fruit. <laughs> Go out and produce fruit. Go out and tell somebody that if God saved you, God can save anybody. Amen. Close those eyes. We're praying this prayer. We're touching and agreeing virtually that it is already done. You don't need anybody to confirm it. You don't need anybody to validate you. You feel it in your soul that God has turned your life around. And if God has, give us a call. If you want to be a part of this virtual church family, give us a call. We would welcome you as a part of what God is. And there's nothing special about us. Uh, there's nothing unique about us. We don't claim to be the greatest church. I am certainly far from being the greatest preacher, but I will make you this one promise. I will say whatever God asks me to say, and I'll do it in a manner in which God asks of us. And all we can do is fulfill our assignment that God has put over our lives. And once we've done it, God says, it's up to you. Somebody you're in his hand and God has remade you and remold you into something great. Close those eyes. If you're in a position to lift your hands, lift those hands. Eternal Father, we thank you. God, we bless you. We pray for broken hearts. We pray for those that are broken, but yet you see their beauty we pray for those that are flawed. We pray for those that are imperfect. We pray for those perhaps like me, grew up with a speech impediment. Never thought I'll be preaching or speaking before anybody, but you've given me strength. You've seen some beauty even in our imperfections. Lord, I thank you so much for being the God of a second chance. We admit, Lord, that we have not always been what you had desired for us to be, but you didn't throw us away. You never gave up on us. Ooh, uh, 
you saw beauty even in our brokenness. And we say thank you. Bless that young lady. Bless that young man. I don't know who he is, Lord. But I'm praying for somebody who's struggling with alcohol right now. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You just showed me something, Lord. I'm praying for somebody right now who's this close to giving up. Mm. Praying for somebody who the enemy told to take their own life. Stop by this morning to tell you that the devil is a liar. That God's doing something great in your life that I has not seen or ear heard, nor has it entered into the imagination of other men what God has in store for you. Get up, young man. Get up, young lady, and be what God has called you to be. There's something beautiful even in your imperfections. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. And wherever you are, join in with us as we worship. Come on, join in in us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I say you give me. joining us. Thank you for being a part of this virtual service. This service will remain on our website and our social media outlet. Share it with others. For God can allow you to bless somebody else. Join us on Tuesday night. We're having a live Bible teaching with our very own children's church minister, our Elder Fred Kersey who is an awesome man of God, a wonderful speaker. He will be speaking on Tuesday night. Invite family and friends to be a part of this. Next Sunday is our virtual youth service. Our youth pastor, Pastor Antoine Jackson, will be speaking. Young people will be conducting the service. We're so proud of what God is doing still through this ministry. And a very special thank you to all of you who've continued to support this ministry with your finances, with your faithfulness. And I know it hasn't been easy. And I know some of you struggle with your own finances, yet you've not robbed God. And we say thank you. For we're coming back one day. I don't know when. Uh, we will not set an arbitrary day. We're going to follow the science and listen to the health experts. But I make you this promise. When we come back, we're coming back better. <laughs> better than you've ever been before. God's going to bring joy in your life like you've ever had before. Come on and take us out, praise team. Everybody, uh, clap your hands right now.
Hallelujah. There's beauty in, beauty in my brokenness. I've got true love instead. Please call. There's freedom, Lord, you captured me. I've got joy. I've got joy instead of mourning. One more time. Sing, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul. Yes, you do. Down deep in my soul. And you give me joy. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. You do. Down We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.